Um, so, you see, that, that uh, Gemara Nida, when the uh, Tinoch is about to be born, and he learns Torah, so first of all, we explain very beautifully what's the purpose of learning Torah if you're going to forget it. And uh, what Chazal is telling us is that every Jew has that ability to observe Torah. He shouldn't feel it's too difficult. Uh, it's, it's a meritic Chazal, and it's an important Chazal, and it's important in understanding human psychology, balay tshuva, outreach, right down the line. Then, of course, he forgets it. And uh, there, you don't have to be a great Chacham to understand why he has to forget it. If it's like a child born into a wealthy house. A child born in a wealthy house, this can be a curse. Because a kid who has endless money has nothing to strive for in life. And all of us know the, the annals of history are filled with wealthy kids who became terrorists, Patty Hearst, to use an example out of America. Uh, uh, wealthy kids who became drug addicts. Wealthy kids who became thieves, degenerates, nothing to strive for. So you have to be a very smart parent if you have, uh, if you have money and uh, you want to raise good children. And there are families that have succeeded. I call it your attention to the Bentheim family, the Hochstein family. These are families that I know from America, from my childhood, that were wealthy families, and yet they produced magnificent children considering the circumstances in which they were raised. That, that someone like myself turned out uh, uh, sort of okay is not, a, as I said last week, it's not a pillar. We were poor. We had a struggle. So obviously, if the, if the Tinoch would retain Kola Torah Kula, there's nothing to strive for. There's nothing to achieve in life. It can become a tremendous curse. And this is what I alluded to, that there were recorded cases. And again, we're getting involved in the world of the Dibuk. And I don't exactly have the Kalim to deal with that world. I don't think my Rebbe had the Kalim either. I don't think his Rebbe had the Kalim. I don't think Rabbi Chaim had the Kalim to deal with it either, with all due respects. But uh, there were recorded cases. I believe in the Akhtamath Rebbe you have some of it. But there were recorded cases of children who were born and, and the father would be sitting and learning and the kid knew absolutely everything. And all these kids died young. And I remember in the 50s, the world was shaking. It was literally a storm. Uh, a kid was born in Yerushalayim. It was a small world already by the 50s. We knew about it in America. And this baby knew everything. The Malach forgot to touch him. I mean, this is an amazing thought, because a Malach can make no mistakes. That Danny Yalkut can forget to get the books that were ordered, that's a different story. But a Malach can make no mistakes. And, uh, and, and the Malach forgot to touch him. I don't, know, I don't know how to interpret that, but we have recorded cases where the Malach forgot to touch the kid. And they went to the Chazonish, and the Chazonish gave a bracha that the kid should forget everything. Okay, but w w what's, what's more difficult is why is Shvua? It's Matna Masha Katav Torah. What does the Shvua mean? You can't take away freedom of choice. And every person has freedom of choice. This is the basis of religion, the basis of Torah, the basis of human existence. If we didn't have freedom of choice, there could be no Shavayonish, there could be no Rosh Hashanah, there could be no Yom Kippur. By the way, some of the, uh, the uh, Protestant religions do not believe in freedom of choice. They have what's called predestination. You're aware of that? Predestination. And I mean, that's an unbelievable concept. It is so against Torah and everything we understand. I mean, imagine predestination that no matter what you do, you wind up either in heaven or hell, and it has little to do with your actual deeds. 
But we believe in freedom of choice. Um, a volume just appeared, by the way. My wife heard it reviewed last night. And I saw, I tried, I, I ordered the volume this morning. I have a student who comes up with any book I want from America, his mother. It's amazing what you come up with in this world. But this is a wonderful student whose mother uh, gets some all these books that come out on Jewish topics in America. And uh, I told him about these two books my wife heard reviewed last night. And he said he's going to tell his mother she'll bring them in July. And one of them is by a, a child, Dubna, if I have the name correctly, who was raised a Catholic. He was a... Um, a nephew to Ethel Rosenberg. Now, the name Ethel Rosenberg uh, to Breweria means nothing, but to anyone raised in America, the Rosenbergs were electrocuted. They, 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 they were the only people ever uh, electrocuted, ever uh, put to death in America for being spies, atomic spies, which is, uh, if, if, if they could do it, they would, uh, they would get rid of uh, Polat too. You understand, somehow when they catch a Jew, it's unbelievable. But they were real communists. They were real communists and they were atomic spies. And this is a nephew who was raised as a Catholic. And he journeys all the way back, not only to Judaism, but to real Judaism, to Torah. And from the little bit I saw, he makes the point that one of the beautiful concepts of Torah is that the human being has perfect free choice. He says, and he saw in the religions he was raised, you did not have that type of free choice. And he says, this is what makes it all meaningful. If you, otherwise, you're a victim of God. You're a victim of circumstances. Call it what you wish. But when you have freedom of choice, you're never a victim. They're never circumstances. You can rise above it. So what good is the shvua if you have freedom of choice? That was one question. Dubna, I think the name is. I, 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 I'll have the book. I'll see it after the summer. Uh, uh, it, it, my, my wife said she was really very impressed with the review. Who happens to be a mother of a student of mine from the Kolel, uh, Rabbi Clark's mother. He, I believe, is a lawyer today. And uh, his mother is really a personality. So my, my wife says she was fabulous. Uh, uh, Believe me, I don't get those compliments from my wife when she hears my lectures, if, she, if, I, if I ever somehow force her to. But uh, uh, Mrs. Clark had all the compliments last night. So that's a good question of, of why the shvua. Then the second question, and, I'll, and, and we answer these questions, and I'll deal with it in a minute, but the second, second question I didn't spell out. I, we already have posh, a partial answer. Um, the second question, the shvua is a very odd shvua. And, we, and there, of course, the question is very powerful. It goes against a good psych, psychological method. And as I've said, those of you that have heard my lectures on how to teach Torah, the worst mistake a Rebbe can make is to put a kid down. The worst mistake a parent can make is to put a child down. Because ultimately, when you put a kid down, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, if that's the self-image you give the kid, you're stupid, you're dumb, uh, you don't have a brain, you don't have this, you don't have that. If that's the image you give the kid, then it becomes self-fulfilling. So, And that's the basic rule of human behavior. Anyone who's a parent, anyone who's a Rebbe, I have students that were my students until 40 years ago. And they remain so close to me until today. And they've often told me, these were kids who came out of elementary school and they had home problems and everyone put them down and yelled at them and shouted at them. And I was the first Rebbe that gave them the benefit of the doubt, that treated them with dignity, that encouraged them. And these kids today are world-class acts. They're, they're tremendous scholars, tremendous advanced degrees. Uh, they have doctorates beyond doctorates. And, and, and here, what Hazal say, that, that he takes an oath that 
that, the, that even if the world says you're great, you're a nobody, what's going on here? That's terrible. You're putting the person down. What about his ego? What about his self-image? What about his understanding of his own abilities? Okay, so in order to answer the first question, the Rub developed the idea that the Shvua is not a Shvua to take away freedom of choice. What the Shvua represents is, and I mean, this is such beautiful Dashanut. And I have to tell you, I'm going to talk about Dashanut next week in the Hashkafa. Something, uh, I heard a certain tape that has bothered me greatly, and I'll share my thoughts with you. But that'll be next week, Bezrat Hashem. But listen to the Rav's Dashanut. Ashbiacha, uh, uh, you begin a shlichot. A shvua is the start of a shlichot. And Eliezer didn't take the shvua to indicate lack of freedom of choice. What the shvua meant, the intensity, the dedication, the forthrightness, the honesty, that I, the competence that I will bring to my shlichot. And this is the human being when you begin life, and, and it's like you take a shvua uh, at the start of life, at the end of life the shvua is over, but at the start of life, you take that shvua. Why Yom Haleda? Because to show you're going to be the most honest shlich, the best possible shlich you can be, you're going to take it seriously. And then the Rav got involved with the whole concept that if if you are a shlich of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, it means you have to resemble a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And, and, and of course, if we have a cloud, we wrote it down, Atem Gamatem from Hafresha Trumat Maisrat, that the shliach has to be like the mishaleach. And in other words, if I make a guy to take of Tumut Maisrat, it's not chal, because a guy cannot be a shliach, he's not involved in Tumut Maisrat. So if the shliach has to be like the mishaleach, it means that the human being has to be like a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that he can achieve the heights like a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and he can almost be as holy as a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And this is what is involved in shliachot, that a human being, the greater he is, the more loyal he is to a shliachot, he could actually resemble HaKadosh Baruch Hu. However, then we began the sad part of the talk, and, and we said, nevertheless, there are four tremendous uh, differences between HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shlichut the Alma, and Shlichut Bishvil HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we developed one difference, and that difference we developed last time that shlichut uh, the alma is always very circumscribed. You just can't tell a person, be my shlich. You have to tell him what, when, uh, to buy a car, to buy a house, uh, to represent you in court, uh, to be Makadesh Anisha. You have to tell him what to do. But And, and he knows, and it's defined, and it's circumscribed, and it's spelled out. But shlichut Fakadish Baruch Hu, we never know what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants, what a true shlichut is. Maybe the shlichut uh, varies, changes, and and here the Rav, and this is where we ended off last week, Shia, the Yerushami with Rabbi Tafrin, with his mother, the tremendous kibar avviyem that he gave his mother, that her beautiful shoes ripped on Shabbat, and he put his hands down on the floor so that she could walk on his hands, and because she had to walk with her stockings without her shoes, she should not feel the, the rocks, the soil, the earth, the dirt. She shouldn't have any pain. And what? And then Rabbi Tafen takes ill, and the Chachamim come in to visit him, and his mother shouts at them, pray for my son. He did fabulous kibar aviyem. And the Chachamim say, what did he do? And she tells the story. And the Chachamim retort, he didn't even do one one hundred thousandth of what he should have done. 
and the Balei Musar is, the Rebbe quotes the Balei Musam, uh, it evidently goes back to Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, that the mother is right, pray for him, he did fabulous, what are they answering? He didn't even do one one hundred thousand, they mavatal it, they mazalzel in him, what's happening here? And uh, the Rav explains so beautifully, and that's what I mentioned to you, I could just hear the Rav's uh, Yiddish in my head, the Rav explains so beautifully that Rabbi Tafin evidently felt that his role in life was to be the Rosh Hashiva, to be the the, the, the Tana, to be the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva, to be one of the Avot HaMesorah, that this was his main shlichat, or his true shlichat in life. And here, if that's your shlichat in life, and, it, and you've taught so many, uh, perhaps life has ended. But... With the Kibar Aviyem, the Chachamim now found the way to pray to God. Because when they heard that story of Kibar Aviyem, they started to say, wait a minute, his Shlichet was not Rabbi Tafan the Tana. His Shlichet was Rabbi Tafan the, the example, the Dugma of Kibar Aviyem. And this is an overwhelming story. And Chasva Khalila, that's why he's ill, because he finished the Shlichet, he did the ultimate. And that's why they started to shout. He didn't even do one one hundred thousandth. He didn't even do one millionth yet. This may be his ultimate shlichet, but he has to go on living. He has so much more he has to do. And that's the way the Rav touched up the Gemara. And that's the difference between shliach the Alma for shliach the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Shliach the Alma, you know what you have to do. You know, you know when you accomplish it. You know when you're finished. Shliach va Kaddish Baruch Hu. You never know the shlichet can change. You have to be ready to say hinnah. You have to be ready to accept it. You have to be ready to move further. You have to be ready to take it on upon yourself. You have to be ready to shift gears. And, and this is a tremendous lesson for life. And uh, we'll never know. We'll never know what our real shlichet is. And chas v'chalilu, we should feel we've accomplished. It could be there comes a time in life when you're aged and you're feeble and you say, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, I've accomplished. And I don't, wanna, I don't want to mock that. I can understand it. But a, a person, the shlichet, it shifts. It's, it's endless. And I, if I can only talk about my own life, I don't know what my real shlichet is. You understand? If you would have asked me uh, 20 years ago what my shlichet is, I would have said to you for sure, being a Rebbe, being a Malamit Torah, being a Mamitz, being a Mamitz Torah in the classroom. I don't know. Then I got involved with Russia, and my life turned around. And I was able, it's just an amazing thing. You'll never appreciate what I'm saying because you don't know me from the 80s. I lived two totally different lives. I've always worked around the clock. I never know what, I've never taken a minute off from learning since I'm 13 years of age. But uh, uh, I lived two, two, two totally different lives. No one knew, no one knew. I was in the army, I was in Russia, everything was covered. No one knew where I was, no one knew what I was doing. And I was teaching and every year and I was learning. I didn't miss a day that I didn't learn a, a Namad Gemara Baruch Hashem. So uh, you don't know what your shlichet is. Then I have to say to you, you know, even with all that I've published, I never took publishing. I mean, Yibani Shalom, all right, my work in Revel is important, my work in Silver, they say, is important. Uh, the Rakafar Aaron has some nice articles in it. I don't want to minimize it. But suddenly the work on the Rav has taken on such proportions that already it's bigger than me, if you understand what I'm saying. And it hasn't even appeared yet. And yet from within, those that have seen it, and, and the whole climate today, who knows what the Shlichet is? And, and a person has to have that great ability to be able to shift gears. Kaddish Baruch needs you, you have to do. But now, with that in mind, this is what I didn't say last time. 
Now you can start to understand See, it's beautiful. If the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, what are they saying to you? You've accomplished. You've been Yotzei Yeshlichad. You're a great Rosh Yeshiva. You did wonderful things. You raised so many Talmidim. You published Kiddushet. Whatever it is, you're a tzaddik. No, the minute you hear those words, you have to run like crazy. Because if you hear those words, it means your life is over. You fulfilled your shlichah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And and that's exactly why. It doesn't mean Russia in the sense that you have no abilities, that you're vicious, that you're wicked. But it means consider yourself at the starting point. Consider yourself at the starting line. You have so much more to do. You have so much more to live for. And that's what the Shvua means. It's fabulous. Now it makes a lot of sense. Now, I just want to... Yeah, David, what's your problem? No, no, well, the reason they're using, of course, the shvu is to be a tzaddik. That's what they used to do in Russia. But the truth of the matter is, a Chabadnik would answer you that they had to phrase it this way because this is what Chabad is built upon. Have you, do you, have you ever learned Tanya? All of Tanya, the whole first part of Tanya is the, is the tzaddik, the benoni, and the Russia. And if you take that terminology, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Because when you view yourself as the Russia, what does the Russia mean? You haven't utilized your abilities. That's what it means in that sense. In that sense already. So now I'll tell you something I can put into context. I think I told you this much earlier this year, but now I can put it into context. Um, I first uh, gave this, I've given, what I'm giving now, I've given three times over the last uh, uh, 30 years. So the first time I gave this was uh, the early 70s, very early 70s. And I had a student in uh, BMT, uh, uh, Rabbi Reuven Vinegar. And uh, Rabbi Vinegar's had a hard life. Uh, he went into the Champions League, very sincere, very honest, very honest. And he's had a hard life. I always feel uh, badly for him. Uh, and he, he's why you didn't treat him properly. Well, he's too sincere. Too, I give you a simple example. He was in the Champions So where he davened, he always wanted men and women sitting separately. And you know why you didn't back him up? Uh, it's 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 a problem, chaplaincy. If women want to walk in, and uh, you know, suddenly you're, you're you as a chaplain, you're supposed to provide services for all Jews. You can't just say for that. You understand what I'm saying? A chaplain, as a matter of fact, has to provide services for Catholics and Protestants if they're no chaplains of their faith, and that's easier than providing services for reform for reformed Jews. Because all you have to do with them is help them with religious questions, get them a prayer book if they need from their denomination. There's nothing involved. You don't have to conduct a service for them. No one expects a rabbi to conduct a service or hear confession. Okay? But for Jews, you have terrible problems. Anyway, Rabbi Vinegar had terrible problems, and he still he's still hasn't found himself. I hope maybe now he's on the way. And as you can gather, he's no youngster. But somehow he has a fabulous memory. And he remembers every word he ever heard that I ever said. Sometimes I'm amazed that he can tell me back, that I know I said it. Because uh, in the course of time, I've repeated the sheer again. And I know that that's my thinking. That's my thought. So uh, he wrote me a letter a few months ago when I, when I told him my work on the rub is imminent. He recalled this year, and he said to me, he's very worried about me, he's not sleeping at night. You understand? I, didn't want to say, I don't want to spell it out, what he was alluding to. But maybe this is your shlichet. So I wrote back to him, if this is my shlichet, I'm not even finished one one millionth of all that I want to write 
and all that I want to say. And I said, Be'ezrat Hashem, I hope now to write a memoir of the period, so God has to keep me going, then we'll see further. But I paraphrased the Gemara that if this is my shlich in life, I still haven't finished one one millionth. And this was, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thought. Now, I'll also tell you between the lines, uh, for those of you that are Rabbanim and have to deal with this, uh, there's something else about this Gemara that you can have uh, very sad very sad utilization, but nevertheless it's very important. The greatest tragedy in life is when a young person dies. When a young person dies, this is a tragedy. I've never had, nothing has ever been worse than my having to eulogize a young person. It's just the, the worst, the worst feeling in the world, the worst feeling in the world. What can you say? What nechama? But at least with this Gemara, you can develop the idea that this person lived a few years, but in these few years, he accomplished more than a person lived so much more. In other words, his shlich it was, whatever it was in life, you have to zero in on the person's life and develop his abilities, develop his shlichat. This is what a shlichat was. And take a look, he was able to accomplish this in 36 years, what others don't accomplish in 72 years. You understand? And this at least, it's a, it's a, it gives you a chance to express a thought with a chazal at a very terrible moment, a very critical moment, a very sad moment where the human being is left helpless and hapless before God's judgment. You understand? So I'm just saying that in parentheses. Okay. Now, I finished out everything I said last time. I tied it all together and I added, I added to it as well. Uh, uh, let me go one step further. The dif- difference number two. What else is there? between shlichot fakadish baruchu to mundane, everyday shlichot. And it's interesting. When we deal with shlichot on an everyday basis, we generally have a rule that we never want to appoint the shliach if the person can do it himself. Mitzvah bo yotemi shlucha. And there are many examples. For instance, just marrying a woman, infinitely better. The man should marry her and see what she looks like than to see, send the shliach. On a much more serious level, gitten. All of you know that we can give gitten al yaday shliach. But we all try if possible. Have the bow there. Don't make a shliach. If he's in the city, if he's in the same place with the woman, have him there. A shliach is always a last resort. And obviously, there are reasons why. Because you can have so many takolot with shlichot for get, or shlichot lakabalot to get, the takolot are endless. And that's why lachatchila, if it's at all possible, we never work through shlichim, we work through individuals. And it's not only, you think it's only in Kedushan, only in Gitten, even in Choshem Mishpat. Look into Choshem Mishpat, look into the Rambam, Hilchat Shluchim Vishutvim, Perik Gimel, Halacha Hei, Vachol Habar, it's based upon the Gemara in Shvuat, Aflamir Aleph Amir Aleph. The Makov for the Rambam is the Gemara in Shvuat, Aflamir Aleph Amir Aleph, but it's easy to quote the Rambam, he's very clear. Vachol Habar Bashar, Harezer Beklalaner Mabahem, Vashel Lotov Asa Betoch Amav. The Rambam says, whenever you come with a Yipukach, whenever you represent someone, we don't like it. Lotavasa, it's not good. And there are reasons why, obviously. 
course, when you're dealing with the Baldin himself, he can make a confession, you can get to the facts better, he will not be mayors. When he sends a shliach, you're dealing already through an interpreter, if I can put it that way. You're dealing already through a klisheni. You're dealing through a veil. And it's infinitely harder to get at the truth. And the rivet, the rabad, has a hasaga there, Oma Avraham, and the Rabbad says that the Rambam is right. And by the way, uh, those of you familiar with Isidore Tversky's uh, magnum opus, his work on the Rivid, so um, um, you know what I'm talking about, the Rabbad of Poske, you'll forgive me if I say the Rivid, the Rabbad, you know who I mean. The proper pronunciation, as they taught me in Israel, is the Rabad. But it's very, very difficult for me to leave the Ravid if whenever the Rav would, you know, all my years in Yeshiva and all my years listening to the Rav via tape, the Ravid remained the Ravid. He never became the Rabad. I could just imagine someone saying to Rebbe Rabad, he'd look at you, what are you talking about? But nevertheless, um, is it Tversky's classic work, Zichon Levracha, is the Rabad of Poskia. What's fascinating about the Rabad of Poskia, and I was a kid when I read it because the book first appeared in 61. 61, I was, I was younger than you. I just got smich in 61. We got smich at a younger age in those days. And you know what's amazing? The book opened my eyes because when we went to yeshiva, how did we treat? How did we treat the Rabbat of Poskia? Our feeling was whenever he wrote, Om Avram, he's always attacking the Rambam, right? It's always a critique of the Rambam, but a critique that was a criticism. Uh, Professor Twensky opened my eyes that not always is he critical. Sometimes he agrees with the Rambam. Sometimes he's just explaining the Rambam a little better. He's clarifying the Rambam. So here's a case in point. He agrees with the Rambam. You're not allowed to make a shliach. There are no two ways about it. If I have a din Torah with someone and I make naftali my shliach, that's not good because he's my shliach. He's a klisheni. He, 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 is, he is a second-rate choice of information. I'm the baldafa. But what about, what about if we're not in the same city? Then I have no choice. Then you can't curse, curse the person out. You can't maledict the person. Then you have to make a shliach. Because your being the shliach is helping justice, is helping the money. You are saving a person's money. At least the baton will be able to paskin. But be it as it may whether it's the Rabbah or whether it's the Rambam or whether it's a din in Choshim Mishpat and din in Mamonet or whether it's a din in Gerush. And I can tell you, Allah Alamaisa, those of you that have ever, I don't know how many of you have studied uh, uh, Gitten, Halach Alamaisa, but in every Baitan in the world, we always make every effort to have the Balai Dover there. And you know, this you can put between the lines. This is the classic story with the Rav. I, I think uh, an unbelievable story that, that you can turn into a movie. That, that Mala or whatever that school is called that deals with, with religious acting in movies, the unbelievable story where the Rav is Masada, where this girl goes away to a college campus, meets a boy, and, 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 and her parents say the boy is no good, and the girl tells her parents to drop dead. She's in love. See, in those days, you got married. Today, boys and girls would sleep together. They don't have to get married. It's a, it's a terrible, it's an unbelievable world today. But in those days, you had to get married. So she gets married, and within a few months already, the guy is a maneuver, the guy is this, the guy beats her, whatever it is. So they come to get divorced. And that's the story. The guy held the girl up for money. And the Rav was the shalish, whatever it was, $10,000 in cash is put into the Rav's hand, not a check, cash. 
and and the girl refuses to come to get to get. You understand? She had she hates him now. The love turned to hatred, so the stupid girl refused to come to get the get. So the Rav Balek Breira had to do the get Kabbalah. So he, he has to send the shliach to bring it to her. In other words, not a shliach kabbalah, a shliach to bring her the get, a shliach holacha. Let me change my word, because if we shliach kabbalah, there wouldn't have been a problem. But it meant, so the Rav is Masadid the get. He sends out a shliach holacha to bring the get to the woman. Uh, within a few minutes, this maneuver walks out, goes into a base medrash in Boston, and his youth, he evidently learned the drop of Gemara. Which Gemara did he remember? Mavatala get. Uh, he goes into the base medrash crying and he says I just gave my wife a get and I don't want to give her get and I changed my mind and I'm very upset and I'm very sorry and then a day later he tells the Rav after he deposited the $10,000 in cash into his bank account he tells the Rav he was mavatal to get so the girl now has no get and the boy has $10,000. So that is an unbelievable story. Now, we'll never know what happened. I remember the Rav, I told you, the Rav came into class and we saw he was very upset. So a few days later, and, and we were ready. It was my second year with the Rav. See, the first year I would never talk to him. But the second year, as you see from the picture, I sat right over here, right next to him. And I already wasn't so afraid. I, we were frightened of him. But I wasn't so afraid of him. There was a little bit difference in the pachat of Yirat HaKavad. So we said, Rebbe, you know, was, we said, Rebbe, is, uh, uh, is something bothering you? It's a shepatach at this, you know, in Yiddish we spoke. Uh, you, you look, Rebbe, you look very disturbed today. And the Rav uh, became very humid at that moment. And he said, yes, I had a terrible experience. And he told us the story. And he indicated to us that he had written a long shiva to be Mati the girl, that the get was good, because from the aid that he got, the fella did not know what really what he was doing. He was an Amara, so he remembered the Gemara very hazily, and, and he was Mavata, but he wasn't Mavata, he didn't know what the words meant even. And he was Mata, and he said he wrote a long Shiva. I would give anything to see that Shiva. And then that Shiva has been lost in the dustbins of history. But it's a frightening story. That's why wherever you can, you insist, you must have a shliach. However, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a person a shliach, he doesn't pull out of it. It's not like human beings. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is right with the person. He goes with him, he supports him, he helps him, he guides him, and this is the Pasuk in Tehillim, Kuf Chavzayin, Pasuk Aleph, Im Hashem lo yivne bayit, shavam lo bonav bo. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not build the house, all the shlichim in the world, all the builders in the world will not succeed. God is with you. God does exactly what the, what the shaliach is doing. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a shliach, it's not that he says, it's in your court now, it's your ball, carry it. I'm out of the picture. Chas v'chalila. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes him shliach, he's with the shliach, the mashalech and shliach go hand in hand, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is gracious and generous that the shliach gets all the credit, even though without HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he would have never succeeded. Yaakov Avinu said, Breshit Chathet Pasuk Chathet, Vaha Evin Hazot, Asher Samti Matseva, Yihiyeh Beit Elokim.
האבן הזאת, אשר שמתי מצבה, יהיה בית אלוקים. And look what Jacob is saying. This little stone that I have put down from Matzevah is going to be a tremendous Beit HaLokim, a tremendous Beit HaMikdash. A Shliach Fakadosh Baruch who only has to lift one stone, one stone. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you so much courage and so much strength and so much guidance that from that one stone can come a miraculous Beit HaMikdash ultimately. And this is true, this is true throughout Jewish history. You take the Makabim, imagine you're in the Beit HaMikdash, my vart on Hanukkah, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's vart. Imagine if you start making Cheshbonot, one little cruise of oil, you won't have another cru- more, cru- more oil that's pure for another seven days. It takes three days to go to the Ransas, it takes three days to go to the Galil, you're not Machal Shabbos, three days to get back. Why light the candles? Onus Rachmana Patrei, we can't do it yet. You can find every excuse in the world. But when you're a real Shliach and you light the candles, they've lit candles. What they couldn't finish, God made such a nace that until today, We light Hanukkah candles, and all of Klal Yisrael is inspired by Hanukkah. They are Jews that know very little of Yiddishkeit, but the inspiration of Hanukkah remains. It's unbelievable, and that's the pshat. That little leaven, yiyeh beit alokim. Yes, David. That's from Tehillim. Til mekuf chavzayin, pasik aleph. And 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 uh, it's the, the, the Rav dashing now. Now he's dashing a Moshe Rabbeinu. His dashanut was just unbelievable. See, that's the tragedy that that to collect all this tachet gagechad, it will never be in an organized fashion. Because I know better than anyone alive what is what the Rav left in tapes. I know what's going on, and and I tell it to you, he was so seminal, so fruitful. And in every drasha he threw out, but it was kliachiyad. In order to gather it all together, you have to get every tape transcribed. You know, we're talking about thousands of tapes. Thousands of tapes. You have everything Saturday night in Boston, Sunday morning in Boston, Maria, the classroom, the public drashat. And then you have to computerize it and pull it out on each pasuk. It's, it's unbelievable. I can only tell you that I began Purim time. Right after Purim, I began working on a 122-minute tape of the Rav in Boston. On Purim, working on it. I just finished yesterday. I have it with me. I'm going, I haven't gone through it. I have to go through it again now and see that everything is in there and everything is right. I, it's written out. I have over handwritten on, on, on 60 plus pages, on to 70 pages. And, and in there, there's a little Kiddush here, a little Kiddush there. So here, uh, you understand, it's, it's endless, the, the, the Dashanut. But this is, we have to be thankful for what we have, what we will have. But it's like the Vilna If you notice with the Vilna there's not one Sefer that has it all. There's a little here, a little there. It's, it's endless. And in Ladavasov. The only thing is, maybe with Rebbe, the computerization can help us. I don't know. I don't know if it's Shaykh, you have to program a computer to pull out where he talks about Tanakh, 
organize it. Maybe it's Shaykh. I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I don't know. I know with computers they can do miracles, but with all the miracles they can do, with all the word checks in the world, the word checks still can't pick up. I picked up another mistake now that I haven't caught until now. In one of my mini bios, I spell Reb Moshe Soloveitchik's name with a T. You understand? No, the computer can't pick that up. Soloveitchik, Soloveitchik. The tea without the tea. It's enough to drive you to drink, as my wife says. And I thought I had it all perfect. And now in a mini bio, I found another mistake that I'll have to correct on the final get pages. And the Rev went further. Mo- and now he deals with Moshe Rabbeinu. It's beautiful. Because, you know, it's a tremendous problem. God comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, Hassan, Enu Kal, tells him, I want you to go out. I want you to be a shliach. I want you to do Great things. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, I'm hesitant, I'm diffident. I don't think I can handle it. And and the Rav explained, why didn't, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu want to be a shliach? Because Moshe Rabbeinu thought that shlichud for Kaddish Baruch Hu is like shlichud for human beings. When God makes you a shliach, He leaves you alone. You're on your own. You have to do everything through your own strength, your own abilities. And David and Moshe Rabbeinu was overwhelmed. How can he do it? The Jews live in Egypt, love Egypt. The Menchet Sharei Tumah, as bad as it is, it's their home. You understand? He saw, he lived. He lived in Paro's palace. He occasionally saw the Jews. He knew their mentality. They were slaves. They had no freedom. They were not raised in a palace. They had no self-dignity. And as much as they suffered, this is their lot in life. This is the way they're supposed to be. This is what Tiki Dayan said yesterday. The Shuk people, the uh, the uh, well, the the Asafsuf. I mean, it's mind-boggling. You know, the slaves, the the, the primitives. This was her attitude. Lahavdil Moshe Rabbeinu felt that there's no way you can extricate the Jews from Egypt. No way you can lift them. And this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Moshe, you're making a mistake. When I make you a shliach, I'm not letting you do it on your own. The Meshaleach is going to be with you. Shmot perek dalet, pasuk yudbet, vanochi eyeh impicha. Shmot dalet, and, and the Reb said so beautifully, and now Moshe Rabbeinu started to understand, and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Mashaleach, and when he is intimately involved with the Shliach, then even a Kvad Peh can fulfill his Shlichot and become the greatest speaker, the greatest oracle, the greatest Navi, the great Moshe Rabbeinu that the Jews ever had. Lo to Moshe Od, despite his being a stutterer, despite his being a kvad peh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with him. And in Shlichot for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God works with you to build the house, to create the Beit HaMikdash, to succeed. And that is the second difference. Okay. Now I come to the third, and I have something to add that I've never been able to tell you before, never been able to say before from the time I heard this drasha, and you'll understand why in a few minutes. And then there's a third difference on shlichut for Kaddish Baruch Hu and shlichut for human beings. Shlichut for human beings 
generally speaking, a shlichot, a shliach will fulfill his shlichot. It's a chazakah, an assumption. Shliach osa shlichotov. It's an open Mishnah. A riven, perikimel, Mishnah bait. Just learned this Mishnah with one of my grandsons. Shaleyachay ruva biyat keres shaytiv akatan. O biyad mi she'enu modem be'ruvo eno erev. Interesting Mishnah. Keres shaytiv akatan. That indicates someone who has no sense yet. A kid, a young kid. Shaita is understood. We spoke about that yesterday. A cherish means where it is. It wouldn't be a cherish who has knowledge. Today already we differentiate. There's been a lot written on Cheshim in modern times who developed a very sophisticated level of knowledge, thank God. But a cherish where mentally can't speak, can't, can't, can't hear, and it affects their mental ability. Or an apicorus. We don't lack apicorusim. How many people don't believe in an Erev? They, they don't accept the Torah. Shabbat Pierre, they don't believe in an Erev. All right. Four levels. So if you send an Erev Tchumim, you understand, what is it talking about? All of you know you have 2,000 cubits out of the city. So let's say for the sake of argument, a Chacham is coming. I'm using the, 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 the Mishnah, the Gemara's example. A Chacham is coming under Rabbi Vaji Yosef. is coming to your city. He's coming from the right. So you want to be able to go out to greet him. So you send the air of the food, you place it there before the Shkia, that your Kona, your Shvita, your Shabbat begins there, which means you now have 2,002 there and 2,000 beyond there. You lose your 2,000 the other way, but you have 2 plus 2 going that way. What if you don't have the time to bring the air of yourself? So you send the shliach to place it there, and he says, I'm placing this food for Farin Rakefet. You should be konish shvitato kan am the shliach. So if you send someone who doesn't know what he's doing, the Yerev is no good. However, the Mishnah continues. And if he tells someone who he can rely upon. Look, I'm sending it through my son. He's only five years old. I'm sending it through the shaita, but that much will know to get it to you. I'm sending it through this apikoris. This, uh, what did we speak about last week? Hashem Yerachem Aleinu, a humanist, uh, homosexual, uh, patrilineal reform rabbi. All right, I'm sending it. That's a bad example because he's a guy. It's not a good example. But I'm sending it through the Sapikores. His patrilineal is a guy. But I'm sending it through the Sapikores. And please accept it from him. There we say the Erev is good. And the Gemara discusses it, and you look into the Taravavaja Bibat Nora, citing the Gemara, he says, all the man has to see when he sends the Erev is that the Shota, the Cherish, the Cotton, gives it to the other person. But you don't have to see that the other person carries out your instructions. Why? Chazaka Shliach Ose Shlichuto. The Gemara Nehruvim, Taflamid Aleph, Amid Bet. That we have a Chazaka. You ask the person, you told the person, you inform the person, you don't have to see, you can depend upon him. 
People fulfill their charge. People fulfill their shlichad. People do what you ask them to do. Chazaka, a shliach, making a shliach in this world for earthly, mundane, temporal matters. Chazaka, shliach, oseh shlichuto. However, and this is the sad part, for the shlichot we do for Kaddish Baruch Hu, we never finish it all. We never accomplish it all. We always fall short. The Rub said, here we can say just the opposite. Chazaka al shliach b'shvil ha-Kaddish Baruch Hu she'eno mashlim shlichotau. Life is such, we have all these plans and all these visions. We never can achieve it all. This is part of the sadness, the frustration of human existence, of human foibles, of human shortcomings. And I'll give you two powerful examples in a moment. And we see this from Pirkei Perik Bet, Mishnah Tetvav, our friend Rabbi Tafin, the great Rabbi Tafin, Rabbi Tafin Omer, Hayom Katzer, Hamalacham Arubah, Hapoalim Atzelim, Vahascha Habei Maod, Ubalabayet Dochek, and a Mishnah Tetzayin, Lo Alecha Hamalacham Ligma, Velo Ataben Chorin Lehibatel Mimeno. There's so much to do, so much to accomplish. God is pressing us. This reward is great. But we're lazy. We're lazy. We're overwhelmed. But we can take comfort. As long as we aren't willingly neglectful, even if we don't finish it all. And now... I want to go in, I want to digress now. And I still, what I want to say now, you'll see it leads to something very fascinating. And what does this mean? And let, let, me, let me let you in on a scholarly secret. Rav Shinshafuol Hirsch, for many decades, remained an unknown puzzle in the English-speaking world. Simply, Rafish was not available in English. The whole thrust of the Hirsch As great as the German congregation was, and as much as it Americanized, for many decades, German remained the spoken language, the language of their bulletins, the language of their announcements. And when people first started writing about Rav Shinshon Fuel Hirsch in the uh, English language, it mainly were people from the German school, Feldheim, the publisher, it's Philip Feldheim, it's Jakob Feldheim's father, Zichon Lavracha, was a yeki of the old school. He was one of the first to publish Hirsch's writings. And finally, by the late 70s, a member of the Yeshiva University faculty, the Stern College faculty to be exact, published a work on Rav Hirsch by Jewish Publication Society, Noah Rosenblum, and the world looks forward anxiously because it's the first time a non-Hirschian is go- and a Talmud Chacham is going to deal with Rav Simpson or Hirsch. 
And of course, when the volume came out, I'm not going to go into deep reviews, but it was disappointing to many. One of the criticisms that he has of Rav Hirsch, and it's very fascinating, Rav Hirsch as a youngster had tremendous plans to write a major work like the Rambam, dealing with all philosophy and all of Judaism. The Chorev was no more than an introduction to this major work that he planned. And he criticizes Rav Hirsch that he never accomplished it. Is that a fair criticism? Now let's take the Rav. When the Rav was enfeebled, they found in his desk a manuscript of 110 pages. The halachic mind. There was a big debate in the family. Should they publish it or shouldn't they publish it? They published it. And all of you know, in the mid-80s, the exact manuscript without one iota being added or subtracted, was published. No? How many of you have read the halachic mind? It's not the halachic man. What can you tell me about the halachic mind? It was an introduction. The Rav planned a major work. It was unbelievable. The halachic, the halachic mind basically is his analysis of secular philosophy. Am I right or wrong? The Rav describes all the secular philosophy and how seculars try to approach Judaism. And he says, after describing all different types of secular philosophy and, and with fabulous understanding and breadth of knowledge, he then says, but we have to approach Judaism from within. And he gives one or two simple examples where he takes the Rambam and through the Rambam's analysis and the Halacha, he develops philosophical ideas and he says, this is what I'm going to do. Beyond that manuscript, not one page was written. What are you going to criticize the Rav? That manuscript was written when he was Boston-oriented. May I quote Aaron Rakefit, that was a period in his life where there was real no fulfillment. He didn't know where he was going. A giant of giants, there he is in Boston. What was Boston with all due respects? Nothing. A city with machlaikis, with shuls, with kids becoming uh, uh, conservative and conservative becoming reform. And, and, and then suddenly YU opens and he comes in in a small shir and yeshiva college and the traveling going back and forth. And gradually, slowly but surely, his whole life changed. But you can't criticize him. This is, this is, this is the, unfortunately, this is the shik muscle of man. Some of the greatest minds had the most fabulous ideas, but for whatever the reasons were, they could never finish. Chazaka al hadam b'toshliach hakadosh baruch hu she'ein shliach mekayim shlichuto. Chazaka, it's a beautiful thought. Now let me go one step further, and this is something that I said the first time I reconstructed this year, and I said it the second time I reconstructed this year. And Kanach Tella, at one of these reconstructions, or one of these presentations, heard me say it, and it appears in his latest book. He thanks me in the introduction. I saw my name in the introduction. I was standing in Flatbush or Borough Park, and I'm looking in Floor's bookstore, and I see in the introduction, uh, the, 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 the mini medrash, whatever he calls it, I see he thanks me. So I called him up, and I get back to Israel. Uh, what are you thanking me for? 
And he says, I quote you, where do you quote me? He gave me the page and lo and behold, I looked at it and he quotes this within the context of an idea he's trying to develop. And the story is as follows. And I'm going to make an addendum that I've never made before for reasons that will be obvious to you in three minutes. When I learned in Lakewood, and I thank God I learned in Lakewood because it gave me insight to Europe, to the Lithuanian world, to the Rav, to my roots, etc. And it keeps me grounded as we move into uh, the year 2000. So when I learned in Lakewood, Rabisa Zalman Meltzer died that year. I believe it was 53, or right before I learned in Lakewood. And uh, Rabarin was appointed uh, Rosh Yeshiva of uh, Eitz Chaim. Now, it really was a, it wasn't a real appointment. It was just that they wanted Rabarin, Rabarin Cutler said, let me, let me make a simple example. Rabarin Lichtenstein spends all his time in the Gush. He's only in the Kola once a week. But we need his name. We need his prestige here. He is called the Rosh Yeshiva. It adds prestige to the Gush Kolel. On a daily basis, the Rosh Yeshiva is Reb David Miller. I think you'll agree with me. It's not Rabarin you see. It's Reb David that you see. But it adds prestige. Rabarin Cutler was not going to leave Lakewood. But during the summer, he traveled to Israel, said Sherman Chaim for a few years. It had a prestige. Technically, they could list his name as Rosh Yeshiva, the great Klatska Rosh Yeshiva, the son-in-law of Rabbi Salman Meltzer. First time that he comes to say Shir in Eitzchayim, and you can check the Israeli newspapers, go back, you can get the exact date, there was a wedding in the Meisharim area, uh, where of course Eitzchayim was located, and Rebarn was Masada Kedushin, and in the middle of the wedding, the Jordanian soldiers on the roof of the old city wall started to open fire. And two Jews at the wedding were killed. I remember it like yesterday. I remember the news hit America. And when Rabarin came back to America, we heard the whole story. Whether he told the story or others told the story or others that were near him, the story reached Lakewood. And I'll never forget the impression it left. What was the story? That David, do me a favor, close the door. When the firing opened, Rabarin jumped under the table. Everyone else, everyone was told to jump under the tables because obviously, if a bullet hits the table, generally speaking, the table will stop the bullet. It's not going to go through. Even if it goes through the table, it can't do much damage already. It's lost its uh, velocity. So, that's one of the rules of the game. If you're, by the, I'm just telling you in between the lines, if bullets are ever flying, fall against the wall. It's always important, keep out of the center. Whenever we would walk in the old city during the Intifada, so that we, I, I, I never stopped walking through the shuk. Even the worst days of the Intifada, and we used to walk with guns. We had a whole, one time we shot on a Friday night, we shot at those animals. But uh, I always used to tell the people, if anything should happen, just fall against the wall, because they can't throw rocks at you when you're against the wall, it's very hard to hit you. When you're in the center, it's much easier. Uh, it's much harder to shoot at you because they're at an angle. If you're in the center, they can shoot at you. But they weren't shooting, they were throwing rocks. But even So you jump under a table or you fall against the wall. Obviously, under a table is better. But if, so at the, if, but if you don't have tables, keep out of the center. You're always an easier target if you're in the center. So um, Rabaran jumped under the table with everyone else. And those near Abarin heard him davening. And what was he saying? I translate. 
don't take me yet. I have more to learn. And I remember this came back to America and we were shaking. Here was the man, the God of Hadar, Kletzka Rosh Yeshiva, Lakewood Rosh Yeshiva, carried on his shoulders the whole responsibility of what develops into the very dynamic and powerful right-wing Lithuanian non-Hasidic orthodoxy in America today. Generally called the black hat world. Although that's not particularly true today because so many people wear black hats and they go to college and university and graduate school, etc. But he carried the whole responsibility for Chine Chatzmai. Now, Baron single-handedly put Chine Chatzmai on the map. Anyone else would have given up, let the government take over, let them raise the funds, let them support the schools, let them have a bit of a say. Doesn't matter. And Rabbaran insisted, and we fellas in Lakewood, you're going out of our minds, that with all that responsibility, the man who knew so much, what can he say? Ich darf noch lernen. I always remember that story. When I heard this drusha from the Rav, I added a footnote. Ich darf noch lernen, that evidently Rabbaran viewed that as his main shlichot. And since that was his main shlichot, he didn't want to get cut down in the middle. He, he, he understood very well. No one can ever finish learning. No one can know it all. But at least he felt at that point, I haven't even gotten a third of the way, half the way, 60% of the way. You know the way a computer shows how it's searching, how much material it's gone through. 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, and it gives you the answer. Uh, it's an amazing answer. And that's talking true about life. Now, this is the story that Hanach Tala heard, and in a primitive form, he has it in his book, using this as an example, that one must continue to strive, and it's a beautiful way he does it for children, Rebaran Cutler under the table. It is a very impressive story, and it's Rebaran. This past January, I was in North Miami Beach and in Miami Beach proper. And without going into great detail with the inner politics, the long-standing rabbi of Miami Beach, Rabbi Mordechai Shapiro, passed away. Has a son, Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro, ready to succeed him. Balabatma Balabatim, they don't want the son because the son is a Lakewood graduate, although the son is very open-minded and very sweet, a Lakewood graduate. So they go and take a Rebbe from BMT, a student of Aaron Rakefet, Rabbi Neil Turk, bring him to Miami Beach so that the former shul that was graced by a Lakewood, because Rabbi Murray Shapiro himself was a Lakewood graduate, the former shoe graced by a Lakewood graduate has the YU boy. But a miracle happened. There's a young Israel in North Miami Beach. Well, it's not young Israel. It's a regular shul in North Miami Beach. And they had a YU rabbi, Rabbi Sprung, who had been there for many years. Rabbi Sprung is now moving to West Orange in the New York area. The goal of every rabbi to get back to New York. 
so that the YU synagogue now takes the Lakewood boy, Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro. And Aaron Rakefit arrives in North Miami Beach. I'm staying where to stay there, Baruch Hashem, one of the few places in the world. God should help me. It's like a miracle. I have a balabas who is one of the owners of a hotel and I have room and board on the house. Beautiful hotel, North Miami Beach. A Jew has to daven. The first thing I do when I come, I rent the car so I can get to the shul. It's not within walking distance, though it's all part of North Miami Beach. And I now meet Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro for the first time. And we start talking. We're together a week, and I'm a YU guy. He's a Lakewood guy, but all barriers fell, and we just loved each other. So among the stories I was telling him about Rabarin and Lakewood in my time, because he kept on pressing me, I told him the story. He starts jumping up and down. I never saw anyone get more happy, more excited. And he says to me, you don't know how true that story is. I say, what do you mean? I said, I, I wasn't there, but I was in Lakewood, 53. We heard it, Bishas Misa, that no one had an axe to grind. It, he says, no. He says, when I learned in Mir, he says, he learned in Eretz Yisrael for many years, this Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro. He says, when I learned in Mir, I met the caterer of that wedding. And the caterer told me word by word what happened. The caterer today is an old man. He was next to Rabbi Cutler under the table. And he heard Rabbi Cutler's exact words. It's exactly what he said. It's exactly what Rabbi said to the Rabbi Shalalim. So I felt so happy because now the caterer aid me pied, but neither of us had an axe to grind. Word by word, the same story. But what an unbelievable sad factor. We never finish our shlichot. And I have to tell you, this I tell you as my students, I open my heart to you. I was haunted during my work on the Rav. Because when I began, I didn't give it that much importance. I thought it'd be another volume after all. Again, I, I repeat to you, Revel and Silva, I'm not so ashamed of those volumes. I'm not so ashamed. All right, but as the work began and continued and with everything happening around me, I recognized this work is taking on a life of its own and I was haunted. I shouldn't be able to finish it because there are certain works, no one can do it for you. See, this is the tragedy. No one could do it for you. No one could write, you see, it's, this is me. This is my ability this is my knowledge of the Rav, my knowledge of, 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 of sources, my knowledge of, of English, my ability to translate. No one could do it for me. Not Joey. As much as Joey helped me, he could handle technical matters, but he could not write the way I write, the way I was satisfied. Not, 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 not Roy Albert, he was a photographer, but even to caption the pictures... It was my stroke of the pen that had to do it. Not Manny Holzer. Manny Holzer was the Rub's most devoted shamis. Gabbai. Kolachavot to Manny. And I was haunted. And then when I reached a certain point, I said, Jack may recall, I said, now Baruch Hashem, the work is finished. That doesn't need me anymore. You understand? To do an index or this or that. Now I'm starting a glossary. Doesn't need me. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry eh, can accomplish this. I can just shake a, a tree in, 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 in Bayat Vagan. The monkeys will jump out of the tree that can do this. You understand? But 
Until I reached that point, I always lived in fear. Now the Abishtu should help me, let me write a memoir, then in the middle of the memoir I'll decide what to do next, because I always gotta make a deal. I gotta keep going. I'll, that, that, that will all be cut down, that goes without saying, but at least let's be Makhaim as much as we can of Ashlichot. But that Noah Rosenblum's critique of Rav Hirsch, it's not correct. It's incorrect. He's missing human, human existence. This is the human shit muscle. The Rav, I mean, if you read the, 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 uh, the halachic man, you know Talachic mind you know what I'm saying it's, it's not even it's not an unfinished symphony it's it's a symphony that never started you understand the introduction is there it's Gewaltic I'm so happy it's published no one will understand it unless you know philosophy I couldn't as a kid I could never understand it I was amazed there's no torrent there just at the very very end you know what I'm talking? at the very end he starts playing with rambams then when I read it a second time I saw wow what God's letter Imagine had the Rev really written this work. It would have put the Moranavucham out of business. You understand? This would have been the work of our generation. But, the dough isn't privileged. Rebbe got involved in other things. For better or for worse, his world changed. His life changed. His goals changed. And let's be thankful for what we have. Let me go further. So we have three differences so far. Shlichet fra Kaddish Baruch you know what it is. You know exactly what you have to accomplish. Shlichet fra, for a human being I mean. Shlichet fra Kaddish Baruch you never know for sure. It can change on you. Shlichet, difference number two. Shlichet for a human being very circumscribed, very delineated, spelled out. You're never going to have to guess. Shlichet fa Kaddish Baruch That's the first point. I'm just repeating myself. Shlichet fa Kaddish Baruch At times you have to guess and be prepared to move on. Difference number two. Fa Kaddish Baruch Let me begin with the Ben Adam. Shlichet fa Ben Adam. The person is not with you. You're in court. You're on your own. No one is with you. No one is with you to, with the get, with the condition, with the purchase with putting down the Erev, Shlichet Fa HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with you, works with you, helps you, you can never do it alone, you just have to turn the first stone, one little leaven, and it becomes a Beit HaMikdash. The third difference, Shlichet Fa HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you never finish it. Unlike a Ben Adam, there we have a Chazaka, that is Shliach, Fulfills his shlichut. Don't have to check it out. Shliach shlichuto. You can depend upon it. The Erev was placed. Have peace of mind. Shlichut fa kaddish baruchu. We never finish it. We're in, ultimately always cut down in the middle. Ain adamet v'chatsi tavo tavbi adoch as I'll say. Alachet kama v'kama ain adamet. V'chatsi hasagav belimud biyirat shemayim bekiriv rechokim v'hagdalat v'hadarat Torah biyadav. Unfortunately, this is so true. Right down the line, my example on Rafiyish and on the Rav are very powerful examples. You have to hold the halachic man, halachic mind in your hands to fully appreciate what I'm saying. The story of Rabbi Baron Cutler 
is a fascinating story with the addendum out of January 1999. And now we come to the fourth difference, also magnificent. You see, Shlichet for Ben Adam, there's no two ways about it. One Shlichet is more important than the other. I've asked Danny to get certain volumes from me that Rabbi Lichtenstein wrote. I've asked Danny to take orders from the Kolel to handle, to make the connection. We spoke at the end of this year, one week ago, Danny Yalkut, if this is the way you're going to be a Rebbe, a Machanach, a practicing rabbi, I can tell you now, you better find another profession. That's all you need with Balabatnam. Come today, come tomorrow. They'll say, Rabbi, come today, be gone tomorrow. And I have a student who just went through that in Montreal. He was sacrificed like a lamb, dispatched. In my class, he was always the late. I don't want to mention his name. He was never on time to class. I found out in the rabbinate, 30 years later, the Zell Bazaar, he never, could you imagine? Never, a funeral, they got to wait 25 minutes. The stiff walked away, the rabbi didn't get here on time. A wedding, 35 minutes, the kalas kalashin, they're fainting from the fast, that we're waiting for the rabbi. And he happens to be a nice guy, but I don't blame the balabatim. They dispatched him. If I'd be a balabas, I'd dispatch him, he'd be gone. At least he was alive. He walked away to a different shtella. Uh, Naftali, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Excuse me? I can't know what you're saying. They got a new rabbi, but he's uh, now in New Jersey, that rabbi. Yes, he's in New Jersey. So, but I'm telling the truth. I mean, I don't want the father, they're, they're sitting here thinking I'm making it up. Uh, Danny Yalkut, I'm trying to give him a little missa to shape up. If I don't mention Joe DiMaggio, say Helfnisht. Please, Danny, I don't want any excuses. Next week, I want Rabarin's two volumes in my hand. I paid for it already. God's going on here. And I don't want the guys crying to me how they can get the tapes. You tell me, I will bring them. I'm Michael Al-Kvodi. I will carry them. I will pick them up. But get one order and... I, I put up the sign as a gag. Now you put up an order sign. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Baruch Hashem. Gentlemen, Puria, he has a sense of humor. Uh, gentlemen, there's no two ways about it. Shlichet, that's one shlichet. What about if I make David Blum a shlich for me to be Mekadosh Anisha? Infinitely, infinitely more important. To buy a book, to buy a tape, to get some baseball cards. Come on. To be Makadish and Nisha? There's no two ways about it. And if that's so, then David can walk around saying to Danny, I'm more important than you. My shlichet is more important than you. No two ways about it. Shlichet Fakadish Baruchu. No one can ever say they're more important than the other person. It's not the goal that counts or the shlichut that counts, but it's the mesirat nefesh of the person. The purity of the heart. It's an open Gemara. Brachat tafheyom bet. No, what Gemara? Echar hamabeh ve'echar hamamit u'bilvad she'yechavin libo. Lashamayim. And, and this is so true. No human being has a right to boast he's more important. Everyone has a shlichut in life. Not all of us have the same capability. 
But what counts is the devotion, the Mesirat Nefesh, Ubuchad Sheikhavan Libalashamayam. Or may I quote to you from Pierkayavat? When I quoted last week, Paragdalit Mishnah Gimel, Altahevans Lacholadam, Sha'ain Lacham Adam, Sha'ain Lacham. No person doesn't have a moment, doesn't have a time. God put him on the world, he achieves. And of course, here once again, the Rav touched upon that dilemma that he referred to so many times. It haunted him. I can understand why it haunted him. Who is greater? The Vilna Gaon or the Vilna Shoemaker? Remember, time and again, the Rav asked this question. Who is greater? The Vilna Gaon? Vilna Gaon never bottled a minute. Learned around the clock. Sat with his feet in cold water during the winter so that the heat shouldn't make him drowsy. Indoor heat. And stories are legendary. Or the Vilna shoemaker who put shoes and fixed shoes and set the hillim with and on that level they're equal. No one is inherently better than the other. And the Rebbe was always troubled. I can understand why. Because coming from Bris, see, this is my problem. Coming from the world I come from, I don't respect any Jew for anything. If he can learn better than me, I fall at his feet. Nothing else interests me. It's a terrible way to approach things. Guy's from us, a tzaddik, he has a strimal, he has a bekesha. I'm a nice guy. I greet him. I smile at him. This Friday night I daven next to Hassar, Skan Hassar, Shlomo Ben Isri at the Kotel. I gave him shalom. I spoke with him, expressed some views to him. And, and people came over there looking, you know, to them, talking with Skan Hassar Ben Isri. You know, like, wow. And I said, what, are you crazy? That guy can't learn better than me. You understand? I understand the rough. I know just where he's coming from. And this really troubled him. It troubles me. The shoemaker. Amaretz. No shas. No poskim. Last night sheer. Simonim of Hakim. Simonim Bainoniyim. Simonim Gruim. What did he know about that? And the rough, beautiful. Shlichut. See, it's a Hasidic approach. On that level, you can't help yourself. You must become a Hasid. Rakefet, not nice. Arrogant. Understand. Chutzpah. You have God. Thank God. God gave you a, a good mind. Halavai, you would remember Shasim Poskim. There you remember Joe DiMaggio's batting averages through the various years. You understand? So, you're going to be, you're going to be arrogant over that shoemaker? I have a tape I'll play for you. I just have to have time of, of Rabbi Izzy Miller talking about the Rav. I mean, there's stuff in that tape that's just gewaldic. And you'll see it's the Rav we know. It's absolutely the Rav we know, the Rav that I know, the Rav that you know from these classes. But, again, the problem comes out in the tape too. When the Rav and Rav Unterman have a discussion, you'll see what happens there. And, and the answer is, Shlichud Fa'akadish Baruchu Al-Tevaz The Sandler in Vilna can be as great as the Vilna Gon. Absolutely. And no one can say it's better than the other one. And now the Rav goes into fabulous Tashanat. I've used this so many times. Fabulous Tashanat. Yes, David. I hear what you're saying. But I mean, it's always not the Romans, the first 
uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, David's asking, but why didn't the, the Gon was supposed to tell you what the Gon, you're right, the Gon was opposed. What the Gon's greatest fear was, if we can understand it from a kind of luncheon, it's Beetle Torah. In other words, that's what the Gon's fear is. It was the Beetle Torah that ultimately, Amratzat, leads to changing Halacha. That was the Gon's greatest fear. But I don't think the Gon would deny this concept that because you're the Vilna Gon doesn't make you inherently any holier than a simple shoemaker who says to him all day. Okay? Read, read my book where the Rub describes the carpenter in Chaslavich. It's a classic description. Uh, the mentality of, of, of the Hasidim it did lead to a lasting of Kavad Torah. If you know the Hasidic stories, it's not the Talmud Chacham who wins out, but it's the Tzaddik, the Mesirat Nefesh. The stress goes on to the Kavana. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The, the, this is the famous story with the Rishonah and, 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 and Talmudic Chachamim complained to him, we know how to learn better than you. And how come everyone comes to you, to your court, tens of thousands pile in and we barely have 50 students. If that many. You're right. Absolutely right. And and, and that's Hasidus. You're absolutely right. And until today, where's the stress in Hasidus? No one says that, uh, that that the stress is on the Rebbe's learning. It's on the Rebbe's piety, the dedication, the, the, the kavana. How do Hasidim have the right to daven shalobizman? Kavana. You understand? Again, it's a very poor excuse. But for the great Rebbeim, they taka davened when they were ready to have tremendous kavana. Had uh, Hasidim have the right not to eat in the sukkah on Shemini Atzeretz and Chutz It's a tremendous question. And Rabbeinu Tzadok wrote an entire volume, Tzidkir HaTzadok, to justify, you familiar with that volume? To justify not eating in the sukkah on Shemini I may be one of the last Jews in the world that went through that entire volume from cover to cover. But when all is said and done, all he can say is that how can you sit in a sukkah if in davening you're saying biyom shmini the kavana clashes. Understand? Goes into a different world. So David, you're right. I have to say, you're right. Nevertheless, it doesn't take away from the basic idea that in theory, we should be haughty and think we're better because we know how to learn. But I can see why it troubled the Rav. You understand? The Rav, time and again, I heard him raise this problem the Vilna. He, he raises it in Yishalachai. He raised it in a thousand shiurim over the years. That's Beliguzma. At least a thousand. Probably more. And I can see why it troubled him. Because it troubles me. It troubles any Litva. Because where we're coming from, the knowledge of Torah wins out. That captures all. That conquers all. And here, look what we're saying. And I can say, my shlichet is any better than yours? It's not like shlichet. The Alma, where there's a big difference between getting me two books or getting me a wife. And let me end off with the Rav here. Beautiful, beautiful divrei Torah here. He says, we see this from the Chumash. Yaakov Avinu rebukes Yosef because of his dreams. Breshit Lamed Zayin Pasuk Yud Aviv And the Rav asked a very simple question. All the Dashanam asked this question. Why did he rebuke him? If a minute later, one Pasuk later, one Pasuk, Pasuk Yud Aleph, what does the Torah tell us? V'aviv Shema 
את הדבר. What does it mean אביב שמע את הדבר? That Yaakov Avinu was waiting to see when will it happen? When will it come to fruition? So we see that he believed Joseph. He believed the dreams. What's he rebuking him? And if he's rebuking him, why does he believe that the dreams are going to happen? One or the other. You can't have both. And the Rebbe explains so beautifully. When it came to the dream of the sheaves, of the bowing down of tangible material wealth, the harvest, the grain, Yaakov Avinu had no problem believing that. Because people in life, one person is richer than the other. This is a fact of life. No two people in this classroom or no two people who will hear this tape possess the same amount of money. We all have gradations. Some of us are poorer, some of us are richer. Some of us succeed, some of us make good investments, some of us the stock market thrives. Some of us have, uh, when we, whenever we invest, we never win. So on that level, Yaakov Avinu had no problem believing Joseph HaTzadik. But when he comes to the dream, Hashemish v'hayareich v'achad asa kochavim v'shtachavim li, what was Yosef HaTzadik saying? That was a dream of spirituality. That was a dream of spiritual insight, spiritual greatness, spiritual achievement. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to be in Egypt. I'm going to face every temptation. And I'm going to come out of it. Yosef HaTzadik. On that level, Yosef was saying that he is spiritually better than his brothers. And that's where Yaakov rebuked him. That's where Yaakov reprimanded him. Because on a spiritual level, no one is inherently, intrinsically better than the other person, than his fellow man, than his fellow Jew. We all can achieve greatness. And on that level, Yaakov Avinu knew that there's going to be a time, it is true, when the brothers will bow to Yosef at Sadiq. When Einachinami, he will be spiritually greater. But there will also be a time when Yosef will bow to the brothers. They will be spiritually greater. The Chalom, the Chipucho, the dream and the opposite image of the dream, both are correct. Both are true. And this is why Yaakov Avinu rebuked, the bro- rebuked Joseph HaTzadik. It was a dichotomy, Palgin and Dibura, on the level of physical greatness, yes, temporally, physically, materially, the level of grain, of alumim, Yosef can be wealthier than the brothers, people can be richer than other people. On the level of the Shemesh, the Ereach, the Chadasakochavim, spirituality, no one is intrinsically better than the other. And that's where he rebuked the br- Yosef HaTzadik. And the Rebbe ended off so beautifully, Yaakov Avinu was right. Ein hachinami. There was a time when Yosef bowed to the brothers, 
And there was a time when the brothers had to bow to Yosef HaTzadik. When did Yosef bow to the brothers? At the end of his life. Breshit Nun, Pasuk Chafhei, Vayajba Yosef et B'nei Yisroel Loma, Pakod Yifkod Elohim etchem, Vahaalitem etz atzmotai mizeh. Yosef pleaded with the brothers, don't forget my body, don't forget my bones, take me with you when you go to Eretz Yisrael. Yosef Atzadik understood that if he is not buried in Eretz Yisrael, he will not enter into the Shvatim, he will not have a share in Eretz Canaan, he will not have a share in the land. In order to be part of the Shifteka, he must share in the land, he must be buried there. And at that moment, as great as he was, he needed the determination and the spiritual greatness and the spiritual responsibility of his brothers. He bowed before them. And at that moment, it was the fulfillment of the opposite of the dream. The moon and the eleven stars are now the masters and the sun is spiritually bowing before them. I need your help. I can't do it alone. On the other hand, there came a time when exactly what Joseph foresaw, exactly what he dreamt about, was fulfilled. And the Rav cited the Gemara in Sota, the unbelievable Gemara where they describe how Pyro was rushing the Jews, get out of Egypt! Run! Throwing them out. And after so much suffering, 210 years of torture, Moshe Rabbeinu holds up all of Yitzhiat Mitzrayim. Why? He needed the Atzmot Yosef. He needed Serech Batasha to lead him to the place where the Atzmot Yosef are found to raise them, to carry them, to take them with him and Moshe Rabbeinu knew, as the representative of Klal Yisrael, it's impossible to leave Egypt without the Atmos Yotzef, without the bones of the first great Jew, the first great Sadiq, who knew how to observe his Judaism, how to remain loyal to God and Torah, both as a servant and later as the viceroy, as the Mishnah Lamelech. And B'nai Yisrael needed this example, needed this koach, needed this strength at this moment when they're ready to become a namchapshi, a free nation. And the great and the grandson of Levi, Moshe Rabbeinu, had to go with Tzarech Batasha to take the bones of Atzmot Yosef. And at that moment, the Shifteikah bowed before the spiritual greatness of Yosef HaTzadik. The moon and the eleven stars bowed before the great spiritual son of Yosef HaTzadik. So you see, Yaakov Avinu was right. You had no right to dream that second dream and interpret it the way you did. No one is inherently spiritually greater than another person. Both the dream and the opposite of the dream are correct. There will come a time when the brothers will bow before Yosef 
there will also be a time when Yosef will have to bow before the brothers. Yosef bowed, bury me in the Holy Land. And years later, all of B'nai Yisrael had to pause, hold up the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. They shouldn't be kafui tov. They should remember and take with them the Atzmot Yosef and have that example embedded upon their consciousness of a great Jew, the first great spiritual Jew, both as a slave and later as the Mishnah the Melech, but he continued Torah Mesorah. So I reiterate, we're not yet finished, but you have to admit it was uh, the rub here is it's just unbelievable the man's insight into life. See, this, 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 the rub in his prime. The heights he hit in the 50s into the 60s, he never hit before and he will never hit afterwards. This is the Rav Mamish in his prime, fully developed emotionally, intellectually, the challenge, the students, America. He's bridged it. He's made it. Brisk and Boston find their ultimate fulfillment in the Lampert Auditorium in New York. It's unbelievable. This is the outside rush. It is. And, and this, you know, each time we spend an hour and a half, and you can imagine how much the man was able to give over uh, that we still haven't finished this Russia, and I think this is the third week already that we're in the Russia. So to reiterate, what did we do today? We finished out three other differences between Shlichot Adam, between Shlichot HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Very sad, but true. Uh, the Shlichot is not circumscribed. Uh, uh, there's no chazaka that we will finish it all. We have no right to be boastful about our shlichot, and we're always cut down in the middle. That is the human ship muscle. We never finish it all. Unlike the Gemara in Eruvin, chazaka shliach ose shlichuto. Adkan hayom, next Sunday, at 1715, we pick up again with Simonim in Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan, and then into photography with the Nitzv of Velashen and Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan and Maratam, Marotam, neither fascinating material, very timely. Next Monday, Be'ezrat Hashem, we pick up exactly where we left off, left off here and I hope that we can finish up this magnificent Russia on Shlichot HaAdam. And now we shift gears and shift tapes. Right. Yeah, give me one second. One second. Start page 17. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What, what is